Hey guys, I want to welcome you to Liquid Church Online. What's going on, everybody? I'm Pastor Tim. It is an honor to come into your home today. We're so glad that you're here for our special series, Friends of the Family. And we're going to be hearing from some world-class preachers who are friends of our church family right here at Liquid. And today, you are in for a treat. I am very excited to introduce my good friend, Wayne Francis, who pastors an amazing church called The Life Church in Westchester, New York. Now, Wayne and I go way back. We met almost 10 years ago. We've been in coaching networks together, and he is full of life. He embodies that East Coast flavor. In fact, the first time I heard Wayne preach, I was just captivated by his energy. I remember laughing. I cried. Wayne was dynamic, and he even danced. I think you're going to see. Pastor Wayne is passionate about building the local church and seeing people find real life, authentic life in Jesus. Now, Wayne and his wife, Classy, have been married for 20 years. They've got two amazing teenage daughters. He loves to cycle, and he turns any floor into a dance floor. So, church, let's give a big liquid welcome. Light up the chat for my brother from another mother, Pastor Wayne Francis. Come on out, Wayne. A little socially distanced fist bump, brother. Let's go. Thank let's you, man. Go, let's go. What's up, liquid? I am so honored. Thank you, Pastor Tim. What a great friend he's been to me. I love Liquid Church, and I am so excited to be a part of this series. Now, look, I got to give you a little background, okay, everybody? We're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 27, but I got to catch you up a little bit. First of all, Paul and a guy named Luke, who's a doctor, and he was a follower of Jesus as well, he actually is on this missionary trip with Paul, and he catches a case. For those of us that know exactly what that means, you know that that's not good. They are actually on their way to stand trial for preaching the gospel along with a number of prisoners. Now, they're on a boat, okay, because they didn't have Uber or Lyft back then, and they're going to stand trial. But Paul has this dream, and he wakes up and he tells everybody on the boat this, take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It'll be just as he said, but we'll be shipwrecked on an island. Now, I don't know about you. When we were flying on planes a whole lot before COVID, I can tell you if the guy in 7E stood up and said to me, hey, I just had a dream and God told me we're not going to land at JFK. We're going to go to Newark, but we're going to crash, but all of us are going to be all right. I would have a lot of problems with that. Como se dice, I want to land safe. And yet for all, Paul stands up and announces this to everybody. And it comes to pass. The ship is destroyed. They are all floating on debris. But what I love about this story is that we see God's grace already at the onset. And I can tell you today that God has this way of using debris to get us to our destination. Sometimes the things that we feel most safe in, the things that feel so so secure. They get broken up, but God is so good that he'll allow us to hold on to whatever's close to us so that he can get us to the destination. Come on, everybody. I want you to get all up in this chat and type some emojis or some hundreds right now because God wants to get you to your destination. Now, now that we've warmed up <laughs> and we're friends, right? I'm friends with the family. I got to be honest because we fam now. I hate snakes. Like, I legit hate snakes. Of all shapes, 
all sizes. I don't care. I hate snakes. So when I got my first invite to go to Montana to go fly fishing with some friends, I was a little bit scared. I got to be honest. I was a little bit scared because I know that in Montana, they have a lot of snakes. And let's just keep it 100. I'm going to just be honest, right? I got the invitation to go fly fishing. And black people don't fly fish. I know there's a lot of racial strife right now, but you can laugh at that because that's funny. I don't care what nobody got to say. You are legitimately looking at the first black man that's ever gone to Montana. Let's keep it 100. If you don't believe me, I got evidence. Here goes the photo of that trip with me out with my peeps out in Montana. There is no other brothers there. Okay, I thought I saw another brother, but I realized I was just looking in the mirror. There was no other black people. You get off the plane and it feels like it's Wakanda. You're like, Wakanda, but ain't no other brothers there, man. But there was a lot of snakes, a lot of snakes. And I actually saw a snake up at the lodge that we were hanging out at. And the, the dude that owns the lodge, he says, man, that, that's not a poisonous snake. You, don't worry about it. Hold on. I was like, who made you the snake whisperer? I don't care if it's a poisonous snake or a non-poisonous snake. I know that a snake bite hurts. The only snakes that I like have been converted into a belt, into a wallet, into a purse or some Stacey Adams shoes. I hate snakes. So when we get to this text and we realize that we see Paul encountering something that I hate, it really gets me turned up. You see, Paul and Luke are together on this ill-fated voyage and they are condemned prisoners. And all of a sudden, after this shipwreck, they land somewhere. We're told that once they were safe on the shore, that they were on the island of Malta. And the people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and it was rainy. So they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. And as Paul gathered an armful of sticks that was laying on the fire nearby, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. And just there, I'm like, oh man, snakes even in the Bible get me turned up. Now look, Luke is a doctor, so he's writing with meticulous detail. He's writing down very, very strong details so that we can get the whole story. And he lets us know that Paul is gathering firewood. Why is this significant? It's significant because on an island like that, that wouldn't be the work of a person of Paul's stature. It would be maybe the work of children or the work of women, but Paul would have never have done anything like that because of his stature. But what I love is that Paul, even though he just was shipwrecked, is still gathering wood to help other people. So I got a big question for you that are joining online tonight. Can you, can you right now say that you're willing to serve others even though you're suffering? Can you be a person that still wants to look after the needs of people even though you've just gotten hurt or you just got shipwrecked? I can tell you that God loves to use people that are still focused on others even though your life has been shipwrecked. And I don't know about you, but there are so many instances in life where it seems like something is driven out by the heat. For some reason, just when you're getting momentum, just when your job is going good, just when your marriage is going all right, it seems like the proverbial snake will come out of that moment 
inviting you in a place that you never, ever thought would ever come. And so many of us know the pain and know the heartache of what it feels like when things are going good, only to feel the relapse come back. You know the pain of when a relationship is going well, that all of a sudden there's all these different tensions. And Paul here in the text knew exactly what it was to feel the same way. His life had just got shipwrecked. And now all of a sudden there's a snake bite. And the people on the island, they're watching. They're looking around. The natives, they knew what was up. They said, oh, the people of the island saw the snake hanging from his hand. And they said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. You see, the people on the island were heavily superstitious. They were not like my friend, the snake whispering guy in Montana. They actually knew their snakes. They had watched multiple people die over the years. And guess what? They thought that he's certainly going to keel over. They're like, oh yeah, you made it past that shipwreck. But what goes around comes around, baby. They're like, oh, you made it out that shipwreck. But let me just tell you, karma is a boa constrictor. <laughs> what do you think I was going to say? I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I can tell you here in the text, there are a lot of things that we can pull similarities from. For many of you today that are watching online, you know what it feels like when your friends or maybe your family members or acquaintances are watching your life, waiting to see if you're going to keel over because you had a bad circumstance. But can I tell you today that if they're waiting for your life to keel over, they're going to have to wait a whole long time because God God is interested in making sure that what was bitten or what bit you is not going to paralyze you permanently. Can I tell you that God has a way of turning poison into protein? Come on, type that in the chat right now. That God is turning everything that was intended to be poison in my life into protein. God is turning the pain. God is turning that situation I went through into something that's going to feed me and grow me spiritually. Somebody shout yes in the chat. Come on, let's go. Because here, what we find out is that Paul, he shook off the snake into the fire. You remember that Taylor Swift song? He went all Taylor Swift on that snake and said, no, you're not sticking to me. And the people, though, they waited for him to swell up suddenly or drop dead. But when they waited a long time and saw he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided that he was a god. Let me just say something to you. The world is not going to read the book of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> the world is not going to read the book of Romans. Why? The world doesn't often read its Bible, but they do read Christians. My God, I feel like you're the best epistle. You are the best book that anybody's going to see. So when you react in a way that is totally contradictory to what people expect, I can let you know that God gets glory just like in this circumstance. I can tell you there's so many people that might be waiting to see your marriage go wayward. They may be waiting to see if your kids are going to change their trajectory. They're waiting to see what's going on in your life. But can I tell you that God wants to keep you and he will take you from shipwrecks and he will take you to supplies. Come on everybody if you believe that to be true. Well here's what happens. Near the shore where they landed there was an estate belonging to Publius. He's the chief, the head honcho on the island and he's an official and he says here that he welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. And as it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever. And I told you I got a little bit of a Jamaican flow, right? You know, we don't fly fish, we fry fish, that type of deal. 
I was preaching this at my church one day, and I was preaching it hard too, full swagger. Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. <laughs> dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. And after the service, this lady comes up to me, and she says, um, Hey, Wayne, that word um, is not dysentery. I'm, I'm a nurse, and the word is dysentery. And I said, No, it is not it's dysentery. She said, no, um, it's, it's dysentery. I'm pretty, it's dysentery. I'm pretty sure. I said, no, it's dysentery. Like God is not going to work in another century. He's going to work in dysentery. <laughs> she said, no, it actually means diarrhea. I said, so why God couldn't make it plain and say diarrhea? I understand diarrhea. Well, Publius is the leading man on the island, and it turns out that he was sick. And it turned out that this is a very interesting point because what we see here is fascinating. Now, remember, I told you that Luke is a doctor. He's writing down meticulous details. He knows that the guy is filled with fever and I was about to say dysentery, but it's dysentery. He knows that. He knows the details. But what, I, woo, I feel like preaching now. What I love about this story is that God doesn't use the guy with a degree. <laughs> God doesn't use the guy that went to med school. God uses the guy with the wounded hand that just got bitten to be the healing agent in the story. I'm talking to people some now, right now, in this online environment, you've been bitten before, and you think, how can God use me. Well, God's not just looking for people with degrees. God's not just looking for people with a full education. God is looking for some people that have been wounded, that have been hurt to stretch forth their hands to other people. God has a way of using wounded people to bring revival to others. Shout yes if you believe that. Put it in the chat if you believe that. That disappointment, that hurt from the co-worker, that bankruptcy, that thing that you're ashamed of might be the very thing that God wants to use to bring a revival into your family, into your home. And so if you're paralyzed with no joy, with anxiety, and with fear, if you've been on the downturn because of everything that's happening in our culture at this time, can I let you know something that I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to tell you? Don't let the poison paralyze you. Don't, don't let the poison paralyze you. You see, God has this way of taking us from shipwrecks. And sometimes he'll take us to a snake bite. Sometimes we'll end up being in a context where we have to help sick people. But guess what he does? All the other people, when they saw what happened, all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. What would happen today if God decided to use you in such a powerful way that everybody in your community, everybody at your job, everybody in your family saw the profound work of God and they knew that they could come to you as a person that would stretch forth your hand? Can I tell you that you got to change your mindset? I know that there are so many people that are watching right now and your mindset is not in a good place. You've seen the economic downturn. You've dealt with COVID-19 and you're still dealing with some of the aftermath of that. But can I tell you that your mindset is determined by where you let your mind sit. 
So if your mind is just sitting in depression, if your mind is just sitting in a lack of joy, can I tell you that there is something about changing your mindset that'll change your trajectory because God does something great. Look what happens. They go from a shipwreck. They unfortunately get into a snake bite situation. They're led to somebody that is actually sick, but God does something. As a result, we were showered with honors. And when the time came to sail, people woo, supplied us with everything that we would need for the trip. Can I tell some people in this house and the people that are watching, can I let you know right now that God wants to get you to some supplies? I know that you don't feel like you got everything, but sometimes you got to go through some stuff to get to what God wants to supply you. And it will come from places and areas that you never thought. If you're expecting for God to do something big in your life, can you light up the chat right now? Now, let me, let me say something to you. How do you make this happen? We just, we just figured some of it out. Number one, you got to serve others. You got to serve others even though you're suffering. You still have to have an outward focus. You see, when we get the attention off ourselves and we put it on other people, God does powerful things. And I know sometimes you're saying, how can I serve anybody else when I'm hurting myself? Well, God has a propensity to do great things in our lives when we do stuff for others. But can I be honest still? I still hate snakes. I, I still legit hate snakes of all shapes and all sizes and all forms. In fact, that may be one of the reasons why I have a hard time loving Jesus every so often. Because he's a snake. Yeah, he is. I know I got some sisters that are watching online right now and they were like, Ooh, Pastor Tim, I had liked him. Before he started calling my God a snake, I don't like this preacher. No, let me hold on. Let me let me explain it to you. Okay, we we have to look at this text. Jesus even describes himself as a snake. He's talking to this guy Nicodemus, who has more degrees than a thermometer, but he's really not that smart when it comes to spiritual things. He here in the text has a conversation, and Jesus says, "As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal." life. Jesus compared himself to a snake. Now, where in the world does this come from? This is crazy, crazy. This is strange. Well, we also have to look at an Old Testament book called Numbers. Yeah, for those of us that do the one-year Bible study, uh, I don't think you're as spiritual as you like to, because if you're like me, when I get around Numbers, sometimes I'm just like, Lord, give me, give me something good in here. I'm tired of reading about who begat who. I, I need something else good, but Numbers does have some really strong content. And if you've never read the book of Numbers, let me make it useful for you. Some of y'all that are watching right now, you're struggling because you're single. I get it. So I'm going to help you. I'm going to help some of you guys out that are watching, you know, when you regather here eventually at Liquid here at our main location, I can tell you what you need to do. You need to roll up on the girl in the coffee shop, you know, the coffee lobby area that you like, you just roll up on it and be like, hey, girl, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, you, girl, yeah, I've been watching you for a little while. So, yeah, you know, me and, um, me and Pastor Tim, we in this Bible study, you know, and um, yeah, yeah, girl, it's through the book of Numbers. And if you really going to get your game good, you got to lick your lips a lot. You got to be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, girl, I'm in the book of Numbers right now, Pastor Tim, and we, we, we've been going through it week after week, and then 
just last week, we got to the last chapter, and it's like the Holy Spirit just spoke to me, girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. And um, he told me, I don't got your number. <laughs> the most powerful Bible <laughs> you've, you've ever gotten in the book of Numbers. Come on, somebody, put that all up in the chat if you know you're going to use that for your swagger this fall. But here in the text, we read that the people of Israel were on their way to their promised land. And as they were going, they set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. And they said something. They said, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? Why did you do this? There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. Manna was this great food that was provided by God's grace and his mercy. It was probably gluten-free and organic, full of goodnesses, but the people got so tired of it that they started murmuring and complaining. And we learn in the text that the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died judgment came. Now, this is not the way God often operates, but these people here in the context of the scripture that we're reading were so rebellious that judgment came. And the people came to Moses, their pastor of sorts, and they said, we've sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. And then the Lord told him, watch this, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. And all who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. Can you imagine this conversation between God and Moses? I mean, in the text, it's kind of weird. They're going back and forth, and then he tells them to make a replica of a snake. Now, mind you, the Jewish people knew that they shouldn't make idols or replicas of anything because they had a heart to worship idols. And yet, in this case, God tells them to do that. Can you imagine God and Moses having that conversation? So... So, so God, you want, me to, you, you want me to make this snake and attach it to a pole? Yes, Moses, I want you to do that. I want you to attach it to, God, you serious? You want, you want me to put a snake on a pole? Yes, I wish I had a James Earl kind of voice when I think about God. Yes, I want you to do that. It's almost as if God turned Moses into Samuel L. Jackson. He's like, God, you, you, you want me to put a snake on a pole? It's unbelievable what God asked him to do, but he's obedient and something happens. The Bible says, so Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. And then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Isn't this so fascinating? Because sin always comes with a recourse. Sin always comes with some sort of weight. And for some reason in the text, God makes it so easy for the people that all they have to do is look at a snake on a stick and they will live. Can I tell you today that snake always has a recourse. It always gives us death, but there is always a a remedy for the offense. And God makes the remedy so simple for all of us to acquire. And what I love about this is that the Bible teaches that sin has plummeted all of humanity into this context where we're not living out our best lives, the life that God has intended for us. But I love what the Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 16. Help me preach this now, everybody. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish 
perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned. Can I tell you today that God has given us the remedy in Jesus that wherever you land spiritually, whatever you're going through, whatever has bitten you in your life right now, God has provided an easy answer. It's not about your works. It's not about your talent. It's not about your pedigree. It's not about your past. It's all about what Jesus has done and it is available to all of us. Listen, everybody, the answer is supernatural. It's God's idea because when humans get involved in getting ourselves out of stuff, we usually botch it. And it's so simple. Think about what the text says. All they had to do was look at a snake on a stick. It's so simple and so easy. You almost feel like you're going to save 10% or more on your car insurance after doing it. It's, imp it's incredible. And it was speedy. Just one look and their lives were able to be transformed. Can I tell you today, wherever you land spiritually, God is intending to make your life a little bit more simpler if you can look to his son. Now watch this. The remedy had to be lifted up. It couldn't just be eye to eye. It had to be lifted up. Can I tell some of us that are watching right now that God needs to be lifted up in our lives. Perhaps in this season that we've been in, we've just kind of been so down and depressed and God is saying, why don't you just lift me up a little bit higher? Lift me up with praise and worship. Lift me up on the priority rung in your life. Lift me up, look to me, and I guarantee you that you will be saved. And that's what I want to tell you. If you want to make this more practical in your life, keep looking at Jesus. I know that there's a whole lot of things to look at in the media. I know that there's a whole lot of things going on in our world that's tough right now, but can I tell you, keep looking at Jesus. God is going to do great things in our lives because he has this gift. He can take us from shipwrecks. He can take us to snake bites and through snake bites, and he can get us to sick people so that we can be supplied, but ultimately he wants us to see him as Savior. And I want to let you know today, if you've been looking to everything else for resources, God doesn't have to remove the snakes in your life to give you the remedy. In fact, God often doesn't remove the snakes, but he'll provide you with the remedy. So right now, if you feel like you're surrounded by so many things, so many temptations, and life is coming at you like a brood of snakes, can I tell you that God is interesting because he doesn't have to remove everything. He just has to give us the remedy. Can I tell you that life is interesting? So many of us are looking for a lot of different things and looking for answers and hope in the stock market, looking for hope in our jobs, maybe even looking for hope with our other friends. But when we look to Jesus, something powerful happens. And there's something that I really want to land here with. And it's found in the scriptures in the book of Hebrews. The Bible says, let us run with patience the race which is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In other words, if we're going to finish this race, if we're going to get to where God wants us to go, we're going to have to keep our eyes on Jesus. And I want to let you know right now that you're safe when you keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't let the poison paralyze you. I know that there's been some things that have latched onto you, but I wish that there would be some people that are watching online. And I know it may feel silly. I may, it may even look silly in your living room or wherever you're watching. But can I tell you, maybe you need to start shaking your hand a little bit like this because the 
things that have latched itself onto you have been on you for too long. Would you come on, everybody? Would you shake some things off right now and realize that God is going to take you from your shipwreck and he's going to get you to your supplies and there's nobody that can hold it back and there's nobody that's going to slow it down and there's nobody that's going to take away what God has intended for you. So if you're watching right now, this is the moment where we open up our hearts big and wide. Perhaps you haven't started a relationship with God. Maybe you need to make a fresh start with God. I want to lead you in that opportunity to do so. So come on, open up your heart big and wide. Maybe you'll make this prayer audible, or maybe you'll utter this in your heart. But I want you to say something like this. Father, I need you. Father, forgive me. There's been some things that have latched onto me for way too long. But today, I make Jesus leader and Lord in my life. And I'm asking you to fill me with your spirit. Give me the courage to stand, realizing that everything that's happened to me, the shipwrecks in my life, are going to bring me to the supplies that you have for me. Thank you today. I start fresh. I walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, everybody at Liquid Church, let's celebrate God. Come on, get back in that chat and celebrate God right now. If you've let go of some things, if you're shaking off some of the things that have held on to you for too long, and let's celebrate together.